If, if I would ask you to give an advice to a CEO to help improve the well-being of, of his or her employees, from your perspective, what, what are some of the things that they could start looking at or, or could start implementing? What has your attention? You know, what's the thing that you that that you would like to get off your mind the most, and how would you do that? What do you need to do to get that project off your mind, that problem off your mind? Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you discover the new world of work and learn how your organization can reach its full potential. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us today. To find out more about the Work Life Hub, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to the listeners. This is your host, Agnes. And today I have the great pleasure of um, talking to David Allen, who wrote Getting Things Done. Good morning, David. Good morning, Agnes. Nice to be here. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for coming in. And, and you just to, to kick off our conversation, let me tell you a little story. After reading your book, um, we were just driving with the family to Germany from Belgium here for a day of spa and fun on a Sunday, so like a thermal bath. And in the car, as we're driving there, my, my partner just turns to me and says, well, we really should finish that report and, and send it off. <laughs> and I just quoted from your book saying, well, this is when our minds are pretty stupid because we're here going on a day trip and there's absolutely nothing we can do about this report right now. <laughs> so I just wanted to say um, already thank you for for your work because you, you say yourself, sometimes it's, it's people refer back to you as it's being a time change, a life changing experience. And, and I can say that, that it, it absolutely does somehow um, clicks together kind of nuts and bolts in, in our heads, or that was my experience, that makes so much sense in this knowledge economy. So maybe just to start off, um, would you like to tell listeners a little bit how you wrote the first uh, version in 2001 and, and what led you to, to, to creating this um, GTT system? Well, the system really is just a set of best practices that I discovered or uncovered and recognized over, gee, 30 years plus of my consulting work and coaching work. We didn't call it coaching back then. I was just consulting to and entrepreneurs and executives and you know people running their own businesses and so forth. And then I had a an interest myself in sort of clarity, clear space, and uh, you know freedom in your head. I had a good bit of experience in the martial arts and meditative practices and so forth, and saw how easy it was for uh, your professional world to clog that up and get in the way of you being able to focus appropriately or feel really in control. So. I couldn't have put those words on it back then, but as I began to find these techniques, I used them for myself because I was interested in it personally and that kind of freedom and space in my head. And then I turned around and used the same techniques with my clients and it turns out it created this exactly the same result, which was more sense of freedom in your head, more of a sense of meaningful focus, more of a sense of, of clarity and space and room, room to think, room to think about the stuff you want to think about and be focused on. So <clears throat> that those techniques, uh, I began to pull together in in a methodology, was asked by a big corporation to see if I could come up with a training that would you know be able to uh, create 
that sort of experience for much larger groups of people if I could take the methodology and put it into a training format. And that was back in 1983 and 84. And it worked. It worked very well. So then built a you know, a small consulting and training company where we were then taking this methodology and the training, both the one-on-one coaching as well as the, the training we were doing for larger groups. And uh, it just kind of rolled along. And I still wasn't really quite sure what I'd figured out. Uh, and it, as I say, it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and that it was unique and nobody else seemed to have done it. So that's when I decided to write the book. So there was a lot of years and thousands of hours of real-time experience one-on-one with truly some of the best and brightest people on the planet, you know, working with this methodology and watching its results, you know, refining it, understanding it deeper for myself. And then I decided to write the manual. So that was in 2001. Of course, it took four years. I started in 1997, it took four years to actually pull that all together and make it something I felt comfortable with. So that's a, that's a short version of a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually I read, um, or rather I actually listened to the audiobook of the 2015 new edition, um, mm-hmm. and you you also say in the in the introduction that if anything the techniques and the tools are more relevant now than they were back then. Do you do you also experience this from the feedback that you're getting that the way I don't know if we can call this acceleration or digitalization the way our lives and the work is transforming and changing we need more and more uh, these kind of tools and, and guidelines. We do, we do. It, it's not so much that, that you know, 30 years ago or 25 years ago, there were still people feeling overwhelmed and out of control, and, you know, the techniques certainly work for them. What's changed is two things. First of all, the, the number of people that are now affected by that has grown significantly. It used to be that, you know, maybe only senior people or people with high levels of responsibility and, and accountability were the ones feeling that, uh, and especially in the early days when, uh, you know, email was just beginning uh, and there wasn't even social media, you know, what was that? Who, who even knew? Uh, so the number of people has, has increased dramatically. In other words, most anybody now, kids, students, uh, individual uh, professionals, uh, you know, new hires. I mean, just just beginning. Uh, that's changed a lot in terms of how many people need to be their own executive these days, and uh, so the the breadth of the population, I think, that are now sensitive to the need for this has increased tremendously. And to your point, indeed, uh, <laughs> to a large degree, it's the stress of opportunity. I mean, how many things could you be surfing the web about right now that could add value to your life and your work? You know, it's infinite. And so, you know, if you're not clearly focused on where you're going and what you're doing, it's a, it's a very, very easy to get overwhelmed with just all the opportunities out there of things that could be useful to you and could be important to you. So, yeah, so both the speed and volume of input has changed. And that's also, that also means that the speed of change is speeding up. You know, you and I, just when we get off this interview... <laughs> you know, there, there. You know, in in thirty minutes, uh, you know, things will have landed in your in baskets and mine too that could very likely change our priorities for the rest of the day. So I think all of those factors have led to the uh, a, an uptake and of of interest in methodology that allows you to stay clear and surf on top of all this. Mm. <clears throat> Let me maybe just read up one quote uh, to the listeners um, that I think captures so really beautifully the the essence and it's when you're really doing what you truly know you should be doing there's no sense of overwhelm and no distraction 
between a distinction uh, between personal and work life. It's all just what's now and then what's next. And we at the Work Life Hub, our, our business is about work-life integration. To, so figuring out how to help people have a great work experience and getting things done, but also to have a great kind of non-work experience at home and then with their families. And and I think that's what really resonated with me. And also you say it very clearly in the book that there's no distinction between, you know, our priorities or, or what needs to get done, even if it's me having to pay bills for my home or having to finalize a project in work. It all needs to get done. And, and so to apply these methods across the board is, is what's needed. Do you also find this that maybe the work was kind of one entry point where you and 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 the training um of your company can have access and then people apply this to their to their private lives or their family lives how how does this then kind of unfold well originally it unfolded just because i'm you know i as i mentioned before i love clear space and i love the freedom to be able to focus on what i want to focus on and not be distracted and not feel like I have to worry about something. I mean, I'm I'm really kind of a lazy guy, and I, I like comfort. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I use this for me personally, and I, as I began to uncover these techniques, and I didn't make them all up. I had some mentors and people that taught, taught me various parts of this. And as I began to apply them, it just personally made a huge difference. And, you know, if you're feeling more in control, more confident, and a clearer head, doesn't matter what it's about. Certainly, it affects everything that you're doing personally or what you consider professionally. In truth, you know, my professional career was really based upon a lot of people in their the corporate environment or in the in our entrepreneurs or people in their business or their professional life. You know, that's where you have usually a lot more complexity and a lot more volume of stuff and, you know, a, a lot of things that you feel accountable for and responsible for that you need to manage, that you need to manage well. And so, you know, that that was the arena that I think where this really started to take off was because, you know, the, especially the fast track kind of professional was how we positioned the book to begin with. Because they were the first people to really be starting to feel the, the flood and the overwhelm of email and the digital world, you know, back in late ni- late 1990s, as that was beginning to really take off. So that was the most sensitive audience, really, for this to begin with. So the, the first edition really sort of focused a little bit more on the kind of professional world and the executives that I worked with. The second edition, and that was part of the change, was... Uh, you know, is really defining this as a whole lifestyle, lifelong sort of art and craft of how you manage the flow of of work and work in, to your point, a very broad sense. Anything you want to get done that's not done yet, and that could be get tires on your car, handle the next vacation, as well as hire an assistant or launch the ad campaign. So all of those things, it, it, it certainly applies to all of those and has applied to all of those all the way along. I think now, again, to our point that we have a much larger audience that this is uh, relevant for makes it, you know, that much more uh, perhaps relevant to say, yes, <clears throat> your personal life is going to be greatly affected by you know, how clear you are at with your work stuff and vice versa. But if you're taking work to home or home to work in your mind, that's not clarity. That's not clear space. So you want to be able to get everything off your mind. I mean, I, even in my personal life, I, I don't want to, if I'm playing with a dog, I don't want to have to be thinking about something else in my personal life. I just want to be thinking about playing with a dog. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want anything on my mind, whether it's personal or professional, other than what I'm doing. So it's a very universal technique. Absolutely. And, and I think the other point that really 
resonated with me both for my private life but also in in the work that we're doing is that you know we talk a lot about work flexibility and teleworking and and a, a major component of that is to define what you also refer to in the book of what done looks like and to have a very clear indication or, or discussion or agreement between employees and their line managers around what needs to be done and and how it will look like when it's done and then it's really up to the person to figure out when and where and how they achieve that somehow i still find that this is still sensitive or difficult in many organizations especially hierarchical organizations because it does require a great sense of trust and empowerment to 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 let go of a lot of this from the manager's perspective and just wait for the final product or project or whatever needs to be done to to arrive it's true you know in the old old days uh, and i there are probably people that still think that way you know you need to look busy in order for me, for me to feel comfortable as your boss so you know if you're not showing up exactly when i want you to show up and and if you're not if you're not sticking around work you know, even later than you than than you're than you've committed to, then you may not be doing as good a job, as opposed to just watching what's the what's the output. Uh, but to your point too, that the more people are telecommuting and and you know working individually and being required to work individually and sort of make up their own job and job descriptions, yes, it becomes that much more critical that people you know, move into, you know, a key component of the GTD methodology, which is outcome thinking. What do we, what do we want this meeting to accomplish by what time? You know, how will I know when you've done a good job? You know, what are the things you're accountable to do? What are, what are the things that I care that, that, you know, come, if you get reviewed as a performance review, what are the things that I want to make sure that you've done well? And those are great, you know, mature conversations for anybody professionally. And yeah, sometimes it's difficult to do those because oftentimes the jobs are changing. And as things change, people often then, you know, feel like they're committing to do some stuff that's old business and they need to be committed to new business. And then they're feeling overwhelmed with the new stuff that they then need to do, but because they don't feel comfortable renegotiating the old stuff <laughs> saying, Hey boss, thanks. Thanks for these 10 new things. Can we talk? You know, because that means that five or six of these old things are probably not going to get done. Is that okay? And that's hard conversation, you know, but it's an almost it's almost an impossible conversation if you're not keeping track of all of that. So, again, back to the specifics of the GTD methodology, that has a lot to do with making sure that you're really clear that you have a very accurate inventory of all of your perceptions of the outcomes that you're committed to, your projects. You know, what are all the things you're committed to finish or complete you know, and most people do not have that inventory and they haven't, not even close. It's so surprising though, no? Because so many people do have to-do lists. I think somehow the to-do list became like an extension of our hand. And and yet, as you explain in the book, you you sometimes see people's to-do lists and, and it's not even close to giving you any result of getting things done. Yeah, well, you know, I had a senior manager, I think I quoted her in the book, uh, you know, one of the big pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, at the end of a seminar, she said she realized that her to-do list that she'd come in with to begin with was nothing but an amorphous blob of undoability. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, there's nothing to do on there because most people's to-do list do, do not have the specific inventory of what's the outcome and what's the very next action on those things that have their attention. Most people's to-do list are the, uh, you know, a, a small example of step one 
of the five stages that you go through to get things under control, and that's to capture the stuff that has your attention. So sure, if you look at most to-do lists, you see things like mom, you know, or bank, or doctor, or batteries, or something. You, know, you see, you see stuff like that, and that's great. That they have their attention, but why'd you write mom down? You know, well, her birthday's coming. What are you going to do about it? I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's right. So the problem is, is that most people's to-do list are reminding them of thinking and decision making they still haven't done. And because they don't have the energy at that moment to think and decide about stuff, they feel even more overwhelmed looking at those lists. So a lot of to-do lists actually create as much stress as they relieve simply because they don't have outcome and action specifics. And what I have found by applying the methodology, without wanting this to be kind of a one-on-one consulting session with you, David, but what I found, and and I then always try to extrapolate, you know, my own personal um, experiences and think, okay, how can this be applied to more people or organizations? What I found actually following, and of course I felt full of the wagon then, but what I found is that when I actually focused on, you know, how it will look like when it's done, what's the desired outcome, what I need to do, that the actual action or the actual, uh, yeah, the, the, the doing of it was lot, took a lot less time than I was anticipating and fretting about. So it's, it's also what we just discussed at the beginning about people needing to look busy is, is also, I think, we're not somehow equipped or we were not trained to how to do the work in the knowledge economy that we need to do without kind of, you know, checking emails and Twitters and just randomly and then going around in circles on our different platforms before finally having something done. And, and I find that it, it really resonates with what you say that it's kind of like a martial art for work because we're not taught that, right? We're just coming from a, a university and just tossed into the workplace without having a system or a systemic way, a step-by-step way that would really get us, enable us and empower us to, to be efficient, to be effective, to be at our best performance. Well, someone very accurately described the GTD methodology as knowledge work athletics. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's the, it's, the, it's the moves that knowledge work requires, and it's really a thought process more than anything else. And you're, you know, you're not born with this thought process. You didn't, you, weren't, you didn't hop out of your mom and go, gee, what are we, exactly are we trying to accomplish, and what's the next action, and is that yours or mine, mom? You know, this is actually <laughs> something that, that you have to, actually have to learn. It's not hard, but it's not automatic. And those things to learn to think like you just described, wait a minute, what exactly is the, is the, the positive outcome of this? Cause that's where your motivation is going to come from. And that's also where, you know, what's going to line up your thinking. Uh, and then what's the next action? And the next action is usually a fairly simple thing to do. And so you lower the barrier of entry. So it's very easy to the unstick that procrastination, you know, part. But, but again, this doesn't show up by itself. And it's almost like a cognitive muscle that you, that you need to train and practice. You know, so you, when you're looking at email, you're not just going, huh, and closing it up again. You're saying, no, wait a minute, what exactly are they asking me to do? Or what exactly am I committed to do about this? And what's my next step? And so thinking that way can become a habit, but it takes a while of, and a good bit of practice to make that sort of an automatic response. But you're right, that, that is actually what this is about. It's not so much about the tools 
uh, it's really more about the thought process that then you need to apply before you know how to use the tools. Yeah, and it's, it's, it takes discipline because our, our, maybe our gut instinct would say, okay, let's just do, let's do something or anything that will take us further. But, but there's like a, a preliminary step that takes longer and that we're not used to. We're not used to just sitting at our desks and kind of being very in this state that you call mind like water <laughs> and just thinking, mm -hmm. okay, how well, will it, I you know, process a, this? This is not... <laughs> yeah, well, see, having a clear head doesn't mean that you're slow. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you're always quiet. Uh, you know, having a clear head and being in your zone, you could be running a four-minute mile or you could be, you know, you could be doing serious, you know, project planning and management. You could be running from meeting to meeting to meeting. As long as you have the, the essentially the martial art under your belt and you know what to do with those meeting notes and you know what to questions to ask at the end of discussions in the meeting, like what's the next action? Is that yours or mine? And what did we just decide? And you start to build this lexicon into your, into your thinking and into your activity. It, it makes all of that much, much easier. And at the end of the day, you know, you don't have a lot of residue, you know, like sticking around. And even if you do, you then know that you can get it clean and clear again. See, I, I, I can let my world somewhat fall apart and it's all piled up in my end basket because I know how to empty that end basket quickly. And so I don't even have to have all these decisions made about everything. I just need to know that I could and how to do it and that I will do that on a consistent enough basis, like brushing teeth and taking showers. You know, that's, it's, it's very much the same kind of habit. It's just, you know, getting your head clean, not just your teeth or your body. Mm. And do you receive fan mail? Do you receive feedback from people um, about how it changed their lives and, and what they were able to, to accomplish? Do you, do you have maybe a favorite story? Oh, I get them every day. So, you know, I've got thousands. You know, most, <laughs> it, it, what's really so nice about this, and it's, you know, I, I feel, you know, very lucky and graced to have come across a, this methodology myself and been able to, you know, create a career out of it because it, it, it does no harm. <laughs> yeah. fact, any, any, any part of it that you try to implement will improve your state and your condition. If you just keep a pen and paper by your bed, you'll sleep better. If you just make a next action decision on something on your uh, in your to do list, but you know sooner than later, you'll you'll feel more in control and more focused. So, you know this is not like as we say, it's not running losers. This is <laughs> this is not dangerous stuff. And anybody who starts to apply any of this has huge benefits that that show up. Many times, people um, it, it gives them enough clarity to change their career because that's one something they wanted to do and they it, it gave them a lot more confidence that they could you know take off on down a new path and get in control of it very fast and some people decide to stick with their career and their job they were about to leave it because they were feeling so overwhelmed but in truth they it was actually the place for them to be they just needed to get more in control and feel better about it and they were very happy to stay and some people truly it's you know it it their their blood pressure goes down uh, a lot of people with attention you know uh uh conditions, you know, that, 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 you know, that become, have become very popular out there. It's not some, you know, they found that, that it relieves a whole lot of those kind of distractive sorts of things for people's heads as well as, you know, oh heavens, you know, it's legion in terms of how many things that it produces because Agnes, what this methodology does is it creates space. 
you don't need time, you need room. It doesn't take any time to have a good idea or to be present with your kids, but you need room. If you're distracted, if you've got, you know, the last two meetings still on your mind, it's hard to be present to watch your kids play football, you know, and it's, so the, the whole idea is, is creating space. What you do with that space is quite unique to you. So I have rock musicians that are using this methodology to, to make sure that their head is open, more open for better music ideas. I have a lot of, uh, you know, CEOs or, you know, very senior executives that are using the, the clearer space to be thinking more strategically on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, as opposed to just quarterly offsites. And I got, I got people that are using this. I have a, a lot of the clergy. It's, it's hugely popular around the clergy because clergy is really a 24-7 job. At any time, you know, you might need to be called a minister to, to somebody, you know, and, and, and it's constant. And they still have their lives they need to run and manage, you know, in addition to that. As the same is true for, for doctors or, or, or anybody who's, you know, in a, in a highly intense profession out there. So, you know, having more room to be able to be a better minister, to be a better doctor, to be a better musician, to be uh, a more strategic thinker, you know, th- those are the, the, those, those are those are the kind of testimonies that we get. Wonderful. Now, before we go to the last question, may I ask you, David, to tell listeners um where and how they can find your work, get in touch? Sure. Uh, well, gettingthingsdone.com is the website. And if you're listening to this from around the world, different countries, if you go to that website, you can also click on global partners up at the top. You see a little link for our global partners because we now have partners around the world that are uh, doing uh, you know, the trainings, the GTD trainings in different countries and different languages. So, um, you know, lots of, we've got, you know, a partner handling the Benelux countries in Belgium where you live. And we've got uh, partners that are, you know, uh, doing trainings in German and Austria, Germany and Switzerland. And they're in the UK, they're in Scandinavia, they're in China, they're in Russia, they're in Thailand. So, so that's, so th- those are resources for people locally in their, in their own languages, if you're interested in that. And of course, my book, Getting Things Done, uh, you know, is the, the new edition of that is a great manual for all of this and wherever you can find books. And it's probably in about, uh, I think the new edition is in about 20 or 25 languages now. So you might want to check locally if you prefer to read your own language instead of in English. But uh, those are those are all ways to connect in with the, this work. Wonderful. Now, coming to the last question that is always the same, um, that we ask our podcast guests to, to give us a multifaceted kind of view on this if I could ask you David to if if I would ask you to give an advice to a CEO to help improve the well-being of of his or her employees from your perspective what what are some of the things that they um, could start looking at or, or could start implement well you know obviously I have a bias if they could just teach this thought if they th- if they taught this thought process, uh, they could make a huge difference. But very quite specifically, I'm, I'm coaching an executive right now where, you know, it's taken us several months to get to the place where he can see a full map of all of his own accountabilities, the things that have his attention as a CEO of his very successful and fast growing company. So defining that map, if you will, to orient himself so that he can make good decisions about what to do, what not to do, and make sure he has all the projects he needs to, to make sure he's fulfilling his own accountabilities and responsibilities. He has that map for his company and he also has a bigger map for his whole life. So those two maps 
are those two things for so that people, you know, that's that's one of the horizons that I think a lot of people probably need to spend a bit good bit more time. And he's now getting his direct reports and his staff to do the same kind of exercise so that when they come, you know, to meet with him, uh, they've got in front of them, hey, you know, here's all the things that I think I'm accountable for doing. Can we talk? Are we singing off the same song sheet, if you will? So I think that's one of the things that really improves a lot of the work um, the work environment is making sure people are clear about what their accountabilities are, what the expectations are to your original point in terms of, hey, what outcome am I holding you to? What am I expecting you to have done well? And making sure that, that, that you create the safe place for those conversations, you know, because a lot of people are, you know, not necessarily that, that comfortable talking about things. They may not feel like they're doing that well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, creating the safe space for that, that that's, that's really big. And, you know, ultimately, it's the same advice I give to anybody at any time. It's like, what what has your attention? You know, what's the thing that you that that you would like to get off your mind the most, and how would you do that? What do you need to do to get that project off your mind, that problem off your mind, and then you know, demonstrate this methodology because oftentimes just demonstrating this process, okay, well, what outcome are you after? Well, great, what's your next step on that? And helping people to think through this this thought process. It's not that hard, but once you learn it, you know, you find it affects everybody that you intersect with. So even if just one person starts to implement this methodology, it affects every one of their intersections in the organization, kind of moves it up the food chain. So as soon as you get two or more that are doing this, wow, just moves you way up in terms of a, a new level of sort of relaxation and relaxed focus and meaningful focus in the company. Absolutely. Well, wonderful advice. I'm just really grateful that you took the time to come on the podcast and share your experience and share your methodology and and basically just encouraging everybody to to seek it out because it is truly a life changer well thank you agnes it's been my pleasure i mean my mission is to is to create a world where there are no problems only projects fantastic thank you so much and best wishes and best success for this thank you